It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Truth About Trucking live. Hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Welcome to uh, Truth About Trucking Live. Uh, running a little late here. Might sound a little tired, but I made it. And we are here again, so uh, glad you are hanging in there with us and joining us this evening. Um, did you hear about the gas tanker explosion here in uh, Ocala, Florida, last Saturday out on I-75? A driver for uh, Eagle Transportation heard a hissing noise coming from under the dash and looked back and saw flames coming from the rear tandems and luckily he pulled over and jumped out and took off running and just after that the 8,800 gallons of fuel exploded sending a uh, fireball about oh about 200 feet in the air but nobody was hurt and thankfully and they let the fire burn itself out but it held up traffic on I-75 for several hours and uh, turns out that it was contributed to a, a mechanical failure of some sort but but nobody was hurt, so that was a good thing about it. And April is being reported as another good month for uh, for the trucking industry with the amount of tonnage rising for the sixth time in the past seven months. And the ATA said its advanced index of four higher truck tonnage rose uh, 0.9% in April, more than its 0.4% rise in March. So... Compared with April 2009, uh, freight tonnage surged 9.4%, which would be the fifth straight year-to-year improvement and the highest jump since January 2005. And since trucking is a leading indicator of the U.S. economy's health, uh, hauling 68% of tonnage carried by uh, domestic modes of freight transportation, uh, that is a good sign. And they believe that it's increasing due to manufacturing output and stronger retail sales are fueling their recovery. So a good sign for truck drivers, finally, if it can hold on. But um, but welcome to the show. This is uh, Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Alan Smith, and today is Wednesday, June 2nd, 2010. And we want to discuss this truck driver shortage issue that's uh, that is rearing its head again, and and get your thoughts and opinions on this matter. If you'd like to join us on the show, our call-in number is 347-826-9170. And uh, I also want to touch on problems concerning uh, the present way truck driver training is conducted, as well as 
the talks going on right now about opening the Mexican border and how these two issues affect or will affect or could affect uh, the truck drivers right here in the United States. And uh, Donna will be joining me this evening to share insight in these matters as well since she handles uh, a lot of the emails we receive on a daily basis. And uh, you'll hear how uh, many experienced drivers are simply not being hired by trucking companies, and that brings up the question, is there really a truck driver shortage? And most of you know where I stand on this issue. I've been saying for a long time now that there is no, nor has there ever been, a truck driver shortage. And uh, I think uh, most agree with me, but there are some who disagree, and that's fine. And we would like to uh, hear from you as well and have you give your reasons why you believe there is a shortage of drivers, like it's being reported. And uh, our number again is 347-826-9170. And but, but first, before we begin, uh, I, I've got to tell you about Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. They are one of our sponsors for the show, and uh, it's not very easily done to uh, to be a sponsor for Truth About Trucking Live. But LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease program in the industry, one with no hidden fees, no hidden costs, and you've heard me say time and time again no giant balloon payment at the end of the lease. And you provide a modest down payment, make each monthly payment on time, and when that final monthly payment is made, you get the title to the truck. So it's a real lease, and you will be doing business with a uh, company that holds uh, a high rating among customer satisfaction and integrity. And if you're wanting to become an owner-operator and you just don't have the cash to shell out to buy a truck outright, leasing is the next best way to go. And the only lease I recommend, I've looked at a bunch of them, is LoneMountainTruck.com. Monthly payments are kept at around $1,000 or less, and you can rest assured that the truck you choose will be mechanically sound and ready to go. So check them out. Two locations to serve you, Pacific Junction, Iowa, and Tifton, Georgia. And that's LoneMountainTruck.com, or give them a call. Their Iowa headquarters is toll-free, 866-512-5685, and tell them you heard about them from Truth About Trucking Live. And um, Okay, Donna, I see you there. You're uh, you're going to help me through this truck driver shortage issue. Are you there with me? I'm here. Okay. Hi, everybody. I have a few announcements, though, I'd like to uh, make. Okay. Um, I spoke to Hope Breidenberg today, and uh, I just want to let everybody know that on May 18th, Hope uh, Breidenberg travels once again to Washington, D.C., and attempts to gather more support for the bill introduced by Congressman Paul Tonko last year, which was uh, H.R. 2156, commonly known as Jason's Law. And uh, as you know, Hope is the widow of the late truck driver Jason Rivenberg, who was shot and killed last year as uh, he lay resting in an abandoned gas station. He was waiting for uh, to deliver a load the next morning. Uh, Hope was uh, was pregnant at the time. She delivered uh, her twins the following month. She had a two-year-old son uh, at home also. Uh, it was shortly after his death that the bill was introduced to the House by uh, Congressman Paul Tonko, 
and it was to secure safe and adequate parking for truck drivers. Um, Hope has gone two times now to Washington, D.C., in attempts to gather more momentum for the bill, H.R. 2156, Jason's Law. Uh, she, this last time, she flew in on the 18th, she left on the 20th in that small amount of time. She visited 40 offices and had four meetings uh, during that time in, in, t- in attempts to improve and create the safer, more adequate parking for truck drivers. Her goal is to prevent anything like what happened to her husband, Jason, uh, from happening to any other truck driver or their family. Uh, this is a serious issue. As most of you know, um, there is inadequate uh, and safe truck parking, so please support uh, support this cause. And how you do that, you can call up your congressman or senator and uh, tell them that you want them to support Jason's Law. And I was speaking with her today, and what we would like to do is to have a date determined that everybody can call up and just flood the offices on this date. We haven't determined that date yet, but we will be writing a blog post about it, and uh, we'll be circulating it. We'll put it on Facebook, Twitter, and then if everybody can uh, repost it, retweet it, we can have uh, uh, lots of phone calls coming in flooding these offices because we need to get H.R. 2156 passed. Okay, on, um, oh, and by the way, Hope may be calling in tonight, Alan, so um, if you see 518 up there. Okay. Um, Desiree, I want to talk to you. I spoke to Desiree. Well, I didn't speak to her. I've been texting her, and a lot of you know already that um, she did break her knee today, uh, and she's waiting. She's in the hospital. I'm not sure if she's listening to the show or not, but she slipped and fell in a water runoff at a motel. It seems that she was uh, routed into Chattanooga from, uh, by her company to exchange trucks, and it turned out there needed work done on the trucks, uh, or on the truck, so she uh, had to stay at a motel. While there was some kind of discrepancy about the company paying for the hotel, she was waiting in the lobby, she had all her stuff in the room, so her and her dog, Karma, uh, were just waiting around, and uh, I guess they went outside, and she, there was a water runoff. She slipped. The ambulance came, and uh, now she's uh, she's waiting for surgery. They told her she's going to have bolts and screws and, and everything else. So, um, you wow. know, yeah, prayers go to Desiree. She, she does a lot, but... Um, we're just waiting to hear from her. She didn't have reception in the hospital, and we're doing what we can um, for her. Uh, another announcement is uh, Dan Little of uh, Owner Operators United, OOU, has endorsed the, uh, Trucker Desiree's website, www.realwomenintrucking.com. And uh, I was speaking to Dan today, and he expressed his concerns, uh, not just for the women company drivers, but also the owner-operators, planners, fleet owners, dispatchers, and the wives of uh, truckers. 
Um, the purpose of uh, realwomenintrucking.com uh, is to address the serious issues which are presently existing within the trucking industry, uh, both for men and women, and to create a platform which will solve many of the problems, thus furthering the advancement for everybody. Um, and by the way, Dan Little might be calling in tonight uh, and uh, discussing his points on the uh, opening the Mexican border, which he's very active in and has written uh, Ray LaHood uh, a couple of letters now. I'm not sure. He'll, maybe he'll tell us if he's had response yet uh, from those letters. Okay. Now, this, uh, I would like to bring up the, the show we had on sleep apnea. Uh, that was our last show, and many of you listening tonight heard that show and remember the caller that called in because I got lots of emails <laughs> about the caller. And uh, anyway, uh, he he pretty much called in defending the mandate for sleep apnea testing. And uh, for those of you who did not hear the show, you can find it in the BTR archives. It was called truck driver fatigue and the sleep apnea deception and I do recommend if you have it if you didn't hear the the show that that you listen to it uh, but basically we were saying that the truck driver fatigue is caused by many things besides sleep apnea and we discussed that although sleep apnea is indeed a real condition it does not represent the major reason for truck driver fatigue uh, we were discussing the many other reasons that drivers experience fatigue, including the present HOS rules, dispatchers pushing drivers over their limit, uh, shippers and receivers not keeping appointment times, uh, therefore causing drivers to sometimes miss their, their rest entirely as dispatchers already uh, scheduled them for another pickup or delivery, not taking into consideration any of the circumstances. Uh, we did use data from the 14-year study uh, to prove many things, uh, which indicated that there was, one, not a 28% driver with sleep apnea problem, as many within the industry are claiming. And, of course, this is in order to create a mandate forcing drivers to complete an undefined screening, such as neck size, weight, body mass, blood pressure, things like this, uh, to determine if they may have sleep apnea, and if they do, then they would be uh, forced to go through this testing, which is very expensive, and it hasn't been defined who's going to pay for that testing, the company or the driver. Uh, there was, we also stated that the FMCA stated there was no correlation between sleep apnea and increased crashes. Now, before we were halfway through the show, um, a caller called in, Bob Stanton, who was the guest speaker at the recent Sleep Apnea Trucking Conference in Baltimore. And this was a conference that was sponsored by the ATA and the FMCSA. And at that conference also, it was said that almost 30% of drivers have sleep apnea. And this is a, you know, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty big statement. Um, Bob called in. And he did have a, a very condescending and arrogant tone about him, uh, attempting to discredit the research we used from the FMCSA, 
stating that the study was not the right one and that there was another study conducted by them which did support the 28% drivers having sleep apnea. Well, I asked them to please send the link to the study as I've worked in research for many years and I would be very interested to look at that data expressing to him that it is the truth we want to find out uh, because that's, that's the name of the show here, Truth About Trucking Live. Uh, as it turned out, Bob did write me, and uh, he sent some articles. He also apologized uh, for his call and did commend the research we did on the show. Uh, unfortunately, though, the link he sent to the study uh, that was supposed to confirm the 28% did not confirm to us that there were drivers uh, with 28% sleep apnea, but rather 15.7%. Uh, uh, 10% of that having mild sleep apnea. So majority, that leaves like about 5-6% with moderate to severe. Now it appears that the calculations were based on, one, the same study that we discussed on our show. The same pool of drivers uh, picked from a 50-mile radius in Pennsylvania not from the particular company that um, he had suggested. Uh, the calculations used did not include, and this is why they came up with 28%, it did not include the entire 1,391 drivers who responded and volunteered for the study, but rather only the 778 drivers who were screened to possibly have sleep apnea. So what that means is out of, the, out of the drivers who were screened who were most likely to have sleep apnea, 28% of them had uh, sleep apnea, only 15.7% uh, uh, of them had it, but only about uh, well, 5 or 6% having moderate to severe. And what that means is 72% who were supposed to have it, didn't have it. And this is kind of scary, because if they're going to propose a mandate uh, by this screening method, 72%, almost, if you want to call it a failure rate, of them uh, predicting who's going to have it and who's not, that's pretty high. This means that if this kind of screening is mandated, making drivers take the extensive and costly test to confirm diagnosis of sleep apnea, that this 72% will not have it, causing much expense. So we propose the following questions instead to be mandated. Okay, you about to wrap it up? Yep. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been forced to drive by your company when you were either out of hours or too tired? If so, how often? Which company? Have you ever been forced to stay awake, missed your sleep because your appointment time was late by the shipper or receiver? If so, how often? Which company? Were you ever woken from asleep by a Qualcomm to ask a question that could have waited? If so, how often? Which company? Are you satisfied with the way the present HOS is set up? If not, why? Uh, I, I wrote Bob a lengthy email stating that truck driver fatigue is a serious issue, but it is not synonymous with sleep apnea. He has not responded to me yet. So that's uh, that's my my updates. Yeah. So ultimately, what it boiled down to was the link that he was he said he was going to send us to confirm the twenty eight thirty percent 
uh, was never sent. No, no, he sent it, and it didn't confirm. That's um, that's what I was saying. It did confirm because it it uh, it used the same. It used the same previous test that we were using on the show. Exactly. What they yeah. did was there was just a slight manipulation of the questions, it appears to me. I mean, because the first time they came up with 406, 406 uh, drivers who screened positive, and then on this next one it turned out to be 778. So the only thing I could think of is they uh, redid the questionnaire uh, to have a broader range of uh, people <clears throat> screening positive. Yeah. And even doing that, um, it still it still didn't raise the percentages significantly. So right. you know you can make data say whatever you want, but the calculations they used, from what I can see, uh, did not show 28 percent. Yeah. And yeah. I'd be glad if somebody could could say that no, we did, and 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 show the numbers because they didn't give any uh, data. It just yeah. gave percent. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be holding my breath, but. Okay, um, a shortage of truck drivers in the U.S., so what do you think? Give us a call at 347-826-9170. Be glad to have you on the show, get you on just as soon as we can. The problem I have with this is that any type of driver shortage, so-called driver shortage, is the direct result of the actions imposed on drivers by the trucking companies themselves. I mean, you heard some of it just in what Donna was saying about the sleep apnea test and not paying a livable wage, not getting them uh, enough home time, uh, not providing them with the miles that they were promised and and uh, waking them up and, you know, all this kind of stuff, all the problem drivers face by many of these companies. And trucking companies have an attitude, they always have, that drivers are a dime a dozen. And the treatment of drivers in this industry is well known uh, for being very poor in many cases. And before the recession hit, the trucking industry had a 128% driver turnover rate, and that rate now is hanging around 56%, somewhere around in that figure, but it's because of the recession and there not being any jobs out there that drivers are sticking it out with the companies, not because things have gotten better. And as the recession moves out, I'll be willing to bet that the turnover rate will eventually go back to where it was before. Uh, the only exception to that is the effects that CSA 2010 will play on driver retention. So we'll just have to kind of see how that plays out. But uh, trucking organizations and companies have always screamed of a truck driver shortage. Um, but the problem with this, again, is that any kind of shortage is being created by the companies. Right now, they are saying that they are looking at a shortage of 20,000 drivers, and that number will climb to 114,000 by the year 2014. And we've all heard this rhetoric before, but nobody ever mentions the hundreds of thousands of drivers who lost their jobs during this recession. 72,000 drivers lost their jobs in 2008 alone. And if my math is correct, 72,000 is more than 20,000. So when the number of drivers presently unemployed surpasses the number of a shortage, then how can there be a shortage of any kind? And the argument you'll hear is that those 72,000, 100,000 drivers out of work have left trucking altogether, never to return, because they found other jobs or so forth. But here's the problem with that scenario. There are no jobs and there are no jobs yet being created, and that's a fact that we all know. 
jobs are not being created right now. We're seeing a little spurt in manufacturing and construction, uh, but nothing that will mark the uh, the amount of number that drivers lost their jobs during this recession. And and uh, I agree with the ATA that manufacturing jobs increased, and that's helping to fuel the economy. Uh, last month, manufacturing payrolls saw their largest gain since 1998, and private sector employment increased 231,000, the largest gain since uh, March of 2006. But there's still no reason for celebration because over 8 million, that's 8 million jobs were lost during this recession, and it's going to take years to regain them. And basically the economy is on life support with record low interest rates and billion dollars package of government spending. And the unemployment rate, the average unemployment rate across the nation is still at 9.9%. I mean, right here in Ocala where we're near, um, they were jumping for joy that the Ocala unemployment rate fell to 12%, but that's where it stands right now. Uh, so there is there is no celebration here as far as the economy goes. Uh, there are still a lot of people out of work, and there are still no jobs. And in addition, a broad measure of unemployment that includes um, workers who want a job but have stopped looking and those working part-time for economic reasons actually rose to 17.1% from the previous 16.9% in March. It actually went up. So to say that these out-of-work, experienced truckers have found other jobs and have left trucking altogether is mathematically impossible. They are not being hired by the trucking companies, and this is where the so-called driver shortage comes into play, in my little opinion anyway. A, uh, a so-called truck driver shortage created and maintained by the industry itself. It's a way to constantly keep the turning over of more experienced drivers who command a higher wage and continue bringing in newer, inexperienced truck drivers who who can be uh, given a lower pay scale in order to raise the profit of the trucking company. And you can't blame a company for wanting to be profitable. That's why businesses are in business. But you cannot keep yelling that there is a truck driver shortage when you are the very cause creating any type of such shortage. And there's just too many experienced truck drivers out of work from the recession who are still out of work, and too many CDL students who have been sitting for as much as a year after completing CDL training who are being turned down by every trucking company they have applied to. We hear from them every day. Good, safe drivers not being hired, and so if there is a driver shortage, then why are they not being accepted in their employment? Uh, 347-826-9170 is our call-in number. And, Donna, let's bring you back in here because I know you have heard from a lot of drivers, both experienced and recent CDL graduates who just can't get hired no matter what they do. And you have more of a take on this matter as well, specifically current truck driver training standards, which adds adds to the so-called truck driver shortage problem, right? Absolutely. Uh, emails come in daily uh, stating they completed training. Um, either they were promised a job and it didn't work out. Uh, one of the one of the things I'll add to this is many times uh, recruiters will recruit students um, and they they tell them uh, you know either not to put things on their uh, 
on their application or whatever, oh, I had an old DUI or this or that, and, well, no, it's too old. You don't need to put it down. And sometimes they will get hired and then pulled off the road after three weeks. Um, and that's of course, is uh, after they've paid all their tuition to get their CDL, only to find out that um, they can't draw it. I mean, that's that's one kind of type of letter that, that we receive. So, you know, we always tell people to be very honest uh, when you fill out those applications. Well, you have to be, or you'd be falsifying a commercial application, and uh, and that happens all the time. But that brings up two points where uh, the current standards for truck driver training is actually fueling this so-called truck driver shortage. And you mentioned it right there, Donna, poor recruitment screening and also the poor company training programs. Uh, absolutely. And part of that is... Um, there are incentives, and uh, most people know this, uh, A, to, uh, for the truck driving schools uh, to bring uh, new, new people into the industry as part of a jobs program. So they get an incentive uh, for that, a certain amount of money, and then also for the training companies, there's an incentive for that. Uh, so... Uh, by bringing people in, um, that also is one way to make money. And not only that, but like we've discussed so many times, I mean, people are trained at as low as 13 cents a mile, and then when they complete their training, you know, they might go up to 22 cents a mile or something like that. So, you know, it's very appealing to have somebody move the freight at 22 cents a mile rather than, uh, you know, 40 cents a mile. And Well, and that goes back to what I said a little while ago. Uh, one of the reasons uh, that fuels this truck driver shortage is the uh, not paying the livable wage. I mean, who can live on 22 cents a mile? Oh, absolutely. Of course, one of the other problems with uh, truck driver turnover rate that um, you wrote about I read in the um, one of your examiner articles. I can't remember which one, uh, but anyway, it's the poor treatment while they're in training. Um, either either they're told, uh, you know, trucking is going to be this, this, and this, and you're going to have this much home time, or you're going to get paid this much, you're going to make all this money. It's a great life. Then they get into the industry, they realize it's nothing what they were promised. They weren't prepared for. And uh, and they leave, and that's another reason for the turnover rate. You know, you get them in. In the meantime, they might last six months. Everybody's gotten their money from the incentive programs, the school, the training company, you know, so they've already got that. So who cares if they leave? Just bring another one in, and that's more money. Yeah, that goes back to what I said earlier, too, about the, the, the attitude. They're a dime a dozen, and that, that also falls into the category of the poor recruitment screening. Uh, not really, you know, not really giving the people, uh, the newcomers, a real picture of life on the road and, and, uh, and what to expect. Um, uh, boy, time's winding down here. Let me, uh, let me get this one caller on. We have, we have two callers from, uh, the Orlando area, area code 407, but only one has the hand up here. So if you're calling from area code 407 right here in Florida, go ahead. You're live on the air. 
Caller from area code 407, Orlando, Florida area. Go ahead. You're on the air. All right. Well, that was your second and last time. So, okay. So the poor recruitment screening company training programs, and this is something that, you know, Trucker Desiree brought up a while back that stirred it up. But, Donna, it really is the big thing, um, uh, these trainers that uh, the newcomers are put in with, um, it, they just have a bad experience, and they leave, and everybody screams driver shortage. Well, uh, part of the problem for that is, um, you know, also what we've spoken about so many times, we've had shows on it and everything, is the uh, inadequate training for the trainers. Uh, I mean, so many times the companies will take people with six months of uh, driving themselves and they offer them, of course, uh, more money to be a trainer. And that is the appealing uh, thing that, that so many people want to be a trainer for. They're going to get paid more. Well, uh, on the other hand, you know, they have no no skills. There's no uh, uh, thorough background check of what kind of, you know, problems they've had. Or, or I mean, do they have the tools? Uh, to be training another person, um, this is a big problem in the industry, and uh, uh, not just with women, because the women are having a lot of problems uh, uh, being being threatened or forced to do things that uh, that they don't want to do while they're on the truck with these people, and 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 a lot of this is due to the inadequate screening and actual training to train. The trainers, and um, th- this is something that that we're gonna we're gonna discuss uh, at, in another show. Um, but this is is how the turnover rate keeps going because people leave the industry. Um, you know, and and that's not to say you know because people are gonna say, oh well, I'm a trainer, I'm a really good trainer. Yes, there are good trainers, but unfortunately, it's probably because you're a good person also. And you know you're you're doing it because you want to train people, and yes, you you do want to make more money, but it's more important that you you want to be a good teacher and to do well in life, and you know we commend you on that. But when when companies just ask for anybody to be a trainer without thoroughly doing any kind of investigation of personality or anything like that. You're going to have problems. You're in this truck 24/7 for how many how many weeks at a time? Um, you know there there has to be some kind of uh, adequate screening and process for for this. And with the up and coming truck driver shortage, CSA is going to have a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Um, and I'm not saying I mean if you're not a safe driver and it shows up, you know you sh- you should not be on the road. However, this is also going to lead to uh, a lot of uh, people moving into the truck driving industry, especially with the economy the way it is. And uh, without an adequate training program in place by companies, this can can really be a serious problem. Okay, yeah. So these two practices alone, the recruitment process and the poor company training programs, are – 
two of the major reasons for any kind of a driver shortage, practices that contribute to a so-called shortage brought on by the companies themselves. So until there is a change in these practices by the companies, they'll always be able to scream about a truck driver shortage. That's why I say um, that saying that there's a driver shortage is actually a problem created by the companies themselves. Um, I see Desiree on the line. I got one caller ahead. Let's see. Uh, let's go to. Um, uh, oh, okay. The state of Missouri, area code five seven three. Uh, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, good evening, Alan and Donna. This is Les up uh, here in Missouri, southeast Missouri. Um, oh, hi, Les. How are you? Oh, great, Donna. How about yourself? Thank you for your emails this, this, this afternoon. Oh, um, good. A real quick. Uh, I just wanted to add a real quick comment, and that was when I was uh, a few years back when I first moved to Missouri, um, I had to go to work for, unfortunately, J.D. Hunt. And uh, during their orientation, the fellow given the orientation said that uh, there isn't a driver shortage. There's a qualified driver shortage. And I tend yeah, to agree I, I with hear that, that what I've seen on the road. So, yeah, I hear yeah, that, too. They'll come back and say that there's not a, that there isn't a driver shortage, but there's a shortage of safe and professional drivers. Uh, we certainly do see that on the road a lot. So yeah, I can almost I can I can almost go along with that. There's a lot of hot shot and hot you know hot dogging out there anymore. Um, oh. But but let's just say that instead of saying that there's a shortage of drivers. <laughs> well, one of my well, perhaps the screening is process. Drivers. Oh, excuse do me. Do what now? I said one of my pet peeves on the road is commercial drivers tailgating, and especially on Interstate 70. Yeah, especially Interstate 70. I see that a lot. So, oh, yeah, I see that, it all the time here. A lot of dangerous drivers. And I could I could almost accept that uh, where um, there's not so much a shortage of truck drivers but a shortage of maybe finding qualified drivers. But Donna... You were saying that's kind of part of the uh, screening process. Well, yeah, it's you know it's the recruitment process. Um, you know, you should you should be a honest with people of what kind of life it really is, and b perhaps rather than just taking a warm body in just for the sake of you know recruitment, uh, to do more detailed investigation. Uh, if if this is going to be a successful driver or not, so you know it, it works two ways. If if you if you're not having a qualified driver, you have to look. Well, you know, are you doing any kind of investigation? And B, what are you paying them? You know, uh, if you if you raise the the um, the pay scale a bit, that might be increased. It really surprised me with that particular orientation that. Um we started out with a class, I believe, of about 28 people, and by the time they got done with their investigations, going through the DAC reports and all that, we were far down to about 12 for that hire. So, uh, at least well, yeah, yeah, see, and that's, that's ridiculous because that should have already been taken care of before they've gotten those people to the orientation. Some of these people travel across the country on Greyhound to get to the orientation, so don't you think that the DAC report and all this investigation should have already been done? <laughs> Uh, absolutely, I agree with you. Of course, <laughs> and th these are the these are the practices I talk about that the companies continue to do, which which uh, creates a so-called driver shortage. Right. 
And that's what Donna brought up is one of the things that I've been focusing on is is that uh, truck driving is a lifestyle. It's not a job. And so many of these young people being brought in, and say young people, 20s, in their late 20s and early 30s, are being brought in and they're, oh, this is just a wonderful job. Well, you know what? If you used to 8 to 3 or 7 to 3, go home and watch TV and go to bed, you ain't going to like it. Right. And, uh, right. And, yeah. and, and and what Donna's saying is they're right. They're not these recruiters are not being honest. And it's and it's a it's a terrible state of affairs. But the only way we can educate is to get to them before the recruiter does. So, right. Yeah. Well. Well, that's what 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 we try to do, and that's when Alan um, Alan wrote that wrote his book that. I mean, it's very, very famous, uh, The Truth About Trucking, and he explains it in detail, the lifestyle, what to expect, what it's really like. You know, I mean, every little thing you could want to know uh, is in that book. It's a hundred and some odd pages. I can't remember now, but he keeps updating it. So, uh, well, and I and I write I write a lot about it, and I mean, you know, I, I hadn't seen anything on the Internet, uh, you know, several years ago, nothing about the driver shortage thing and all this thing, and uh, we we got that out there, and then everybody else started jumping on it, and I mean, so it's a good thing, but but uh, hey, I appreciate the call. Uh, I want to uh, move along here because I still want to talk a little bit about opening the Mexican border, but let's get a uh, trucker Desiree on here. She's been holding, uh, uh, I, I guess that's her anyway. De- uh, area code seven six zero. Desiree, is that you? Yep, that's me. Are you in pain, Desiree? Yeah, I'm in pain. They gave me something for pain, so I'm in my hospital room right now, and and so, you know. What time anyway, is your surgery? I don't know, first thing in the morning, like I guess 8 or something. But um, anyway, well, you, I just wanted you to. Were, you were twittering from the hospital bed. Yeah, I'm, I've got my computer. My girlfriend brought my computer down here, so I'm actually in the hospital with the computer and the cell phone right You're now. Right. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm on Twitter right now, but, um, you know, I had a conversation this morning with Ingrid Brown. She wrote something that I'm going to put up on Real Women in Trucking about the training, you know, and, and Dan Little had, you know, we had a conversation a couple weeks back where he brought up the point, um, you know, CSA 2010, they're trying to, you know, drive this point home that this is because of safety, 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 and the truth is safety starts day one so if you're recruiting like you guys have been saying if you're recruiting people that you have given absolutely no concern whatsoever to safety you're cheating these people I I, I just shared that email with you the other day uh, the person that's uh, 20 days in into their trucking career and they're getting the sleep apnea testing and they're making them do the CPAP machine and the person's trying to care for their fiance who is disabled on the salary or the pay that you get as a student trucker. Now somebody ripped that person off, didn't they? They should have known that that CPAP or that sleep apnea was going to why why would you recruit somebody with sleep apnea if this is going to be a problem for truck drivers? This person's already got a loan now. They, they've gone and taken this big, huge step to care for their fiancé that's disabled. You know they're working for peanuts. 
somebody took them to the cleaners. And now they're going to have to have that CPAC machine, you know, and it, it just all goes down. They don't, they're, they're trying to make us think they care about safety, but they're trying to actually just find other ways to squeeze people out. Whether you're talking about the, this you guys brought up a couple weeks ago, a retirement age, uh, sleep apnea, all these, all these things, but they never want to address the bad training, the bad trainers, the bad recruitment, the poor lending practices, all these well, things. Yeah, they, they always they always skim over those things, don't they? Well, right, and they never. That's where all this, a lot of this churning is going on, right there on from day one. That's where the churning of these people, and they just, you know, bring them in and boot them out, bring them in and boot them out. But they can at least get a few weeks, a few months of free, you know, very cheap labor, lots of free labor out of these people, and um, who cares? And those people will never get it. They'll never be in this industry long enough to know how much this was like a conspired event to use well, it, them it, well, it, and it provoke them. It took me about 20 years to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it, you know, and that's the thing. And you know, they they just they'll be gone. Uh, with the wind before they ever put two and two together about what happened to them. And um, they, they still have not um, even tried to address it. And well, even with right. this um, conference that went on, the um, conference, the truck driving uh, uh, conference with the sleep apnea in Baltimore, where it was stated uh, about the almost 30% drivers have sleep apnea, which we looked at the data and it, it doesn't come back to us. But anyway, truthfully, if you're really looking at safety, that conference should have said truck driver fatigue issues, including sleep apnea. I mean, that's to mm-hmm. me, to bring up all the issues of why drivers are, are fatigued uh, mm-hmm. should have been the safety concern rather than synonymously using the word truck driver fatigue with sleep apnea. I mean, yeah, and I like that you brought, up, you brought up at the beginning of the show all of those other things, the Qualcomm. My Qualcomm beeps in the middle of the night when I've already fallen asleep to tell me what the weather conditions are. It makes me so mad because I'm a light sleeper, and that beep, is, it's like taking a razor down a chalkboard to me. It's just very high-pitched, and if you're sitting at all, you know, and it, all, it goes off on these weird times. And, I, you know, I do have the luxury that I'm on this dedicated account, so I have my loads pre-planned out, but a lot of drivers, they get, you know, they get their loads at all hours of the day and night, you know. And and then you get these weather alerts, and they always come to when you're sleeping. You know, there's all kinds of things that that go on that that fatigue you. You know, and oh, um, absolutely. I mean, drivers write to us all the time. I mean, you can read all the the comments on Facebook um, on on these issues, uh, and you know, they're yeah. they're angry. They're they're angry, and they have the right to be. I wrote one on yours today that was kind of funny. This girl Laura, she 
she said, um, yes, I'm, I'm fatigued or something. I have a 15-year-old dog that's incontinent, and I have to get up two times at night to take it out <laughs> to go to the bathroom. So I'm really tired. <laughs> Every morning I'm hardly getting any sleep. I mean, there's just a variety of things that we live a life in a very small, you know, somebody slams the door in the truck, the APU on the truck, the reefer next to you starts going off every, you know, the guy in the truck next to you is listening to his music too loud. It's like living in a college dormitory, you know, with paper-thin walls. So right. there's just a variety a variety of things. And then to be stressed out um, with all of these things, uh, that doesn't make it any better. I wanted to just bring up one thing that, that happened when we are talking about. I had a, a thing happen with this girl, a friend of mine. She's got her two years of experience now. And uh, she met somebody, and she um, has known him for a couple months, and they decided to team together. And she didn't tell me right away. She knew what I was going to say. But um, uh, they went off and teamed, and he's only been there seven months, so he doesn't really qualify for a new truck, but she does. So they get the new truck, and they go off to team together, and she calls, and she says a few days later, this isn't going to work because his idea of teaming is me uh, doing all the paperwork and doing his laundry and driving for three hours and rubbing his shoulders for the rest of the day. So she wanted off the truck, and they were going to part ways, and they were they were trying to work it out in a civil manner. Well, it turns out that the guy did not come back. Um, he took off with her stuff. It's been a big drama trying to get him to come back with the stuff. And then today we found out that um, the reason that he took off and disappeared and went out of sight was that he's actually married, and his wife is from another country, and... Um, she just had a baby and uh, had no idea. She, My friend had no idea. And the wife got a hold of her and said, well, you know, he has a history of lying and, you know, but I can't even, I don't even have the money for a passport to go back to my country. So I don't want him to get fired. But, you know, the thing is, is that the company knew about it. They knew. Right. They knew that she was getting on a truck with this guy, and there there was nobody to say, you know, by the way, did you know that you're getting on the truck with a married man? No, she had no idea. So, and the guy has a temper problem. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that when they have in these student fleets where it's like chaos, uh, team business model, part of your training has to do with teaming up. They just got to put a little bit more effort into it because now, right now, there's no way, there's nothing that we can do for that guy. Like he gets to our next terminal in Pomona and he meets some girl there. There's nothing to stop him from meeting the next person, the next victim mark on his list and saying, oh, you know, me and you should team up and, you know. And the wife says that he is violent. He does have a bad temper. He is potentially dangerous. Okay, this is going to be somebody, you got the tailgating. I mean, when you start having all these conduct issues right from day one, you can bet that person's doing a lot of other risk-taking behavior out here, yeah. uh, losing his temper. There was one uh, um, a couple weeks ago, losing his temper at a shipper. He was already losing his temper with the female co-driver. 
and he was losing his temper at the shipper. And, you know, the the two guys I ran into last week, Don, I told you about, you know, the guy was harassing me on the CB, passing me, and I followed up after him to tell him, you know, I'm your coworker, even though we don't work in the same truck. We do work in the same company. And you don't, you know, he flew by me as fast as our trucks can go. We're governed at like 62, 68, depending on the truck. He flew by me in a 55-mile-an-hour zone, mouthing off to me on the CB. Okay, he already showed me that he's not a professional driver. And then I talked to his co-driver, and his co-driver says basically he's this this guy is very, very difficult to get along with, and he's having a heck of a time getting along with him. And he came to our company because he's got he's got uh, DAC issues that he's trying to um, get corrected or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so this guy's got a problem all the way around here, but he's brought into our, you know, the majority right. of us are trying to do the right thing out here. But we all have to be held hostage by somebody like him. And the recruiting all the way around, everybody's got a a dollar sign on their head. And that's really what this trucking, you know, that's where your safe trucking is going to start. Yeah, it goes right back to what we were saying, the recruitment screening and the training programs. Mm -hmm. These are the things that uh, contribute to the so-called driver shortage. But... um, uh, anyway, listen, uh, Desiree, you, you sound tired. Get a I am. Get some rest I'll let get, you guys go. And get healed up, okay? Hey, Kate, listen, <laughs> let me know what's going on. I'll um, I'll call the hospital and, and check up on you, all right? Yeah, I'll be, um, yeah, I'll be in surgery tomorrow, and I don't know what, whatever. So um, ring me up, because if something happens, I don't, you guys get karma, I guess. <laughs> Okay. I'll call you. I'll try to call you tonight if they let my call go through, okay? All right. My cell phone's working now in the room. All right. You guys okay. take care. Awesome. Thank okay. you for everything you do. Thank All right. you. Bye. All right. All right. Take care and get some rest. And, uh, uh, boy, that's a trooper there, but she sounds like she's on she's on some good stuff right now. Um, uh, okay. So these are the things that we point out that uh, – as far as the so-called truck driver shortage, it's actually being created by the companies themselves. And, uh, um, you know, I want to take a quick time here. We're running out. I still want to touch on Mexico a little bit. Our time's getting away here. But uh, you've heard us talk about owner-operators, small small fleet owners, freight brokers, freight forwarders. Whatever your own trucking business encompasses, insurance is one of the biggest expenses you'll face. And we have a great sponsor here on Truth About Trucking Live. And as a smart business owner, shopping around for the best insurance coverage at the best price is just a smart thing to do. And I have to tell you about RigQuote.com. RigQuote.com is changing the way insurance carriers do business. They work with over 50 of the best insurance companies in America, and that's why they can provide you with the best insurance coverage for your business at the best price. And you can even receive a price quote. Uh, right through their website in five minutes or less. And uh, rigquote.com offers um, a lot of various discounts that can even save you more money. So if you have your own truck and business, uh, you're planning on becoming an owner-operator, you owe it to yourself to save where you can and keep some of that hard-earned money in your own pocket. 
and saving on insurance costs without sacrificing coverage is your first step, and rigquote.com can do just that. So uh, do yourself a favor and check them out at rigquote.com or give them a call at 888-701-1795. Two great sponsors here for you. You can lease your truck at LoneMountainTruck.com and get the best insurance coverage at rigquote.com. So hope you check them out there. But, uh, Donna, we're down about 20 minutes. Well, this is going to be quick. Let's talk about opening the Mexican border. Uh, but uh, I want to play a little devil's advocate here. If if the border is opened, uh, will it really hurt American drivers, or is all the negative talk just coming from the views of truckers? And, and this is what I'm getting at, just to make everybody think. Um, with the U.S. and Mexico not resolving the NAFTA trucking dispute, is this really doing more damage to the global competitiveness of Mexican and U.S. companies? Um, after the U.S. Congress cut off funding for a cross-border trucking pilot program, we all know that the Mexican government withdrew NAFTA-mandated tariff preferences on uh, almost $2.5 billion worth of imports from the U.S., which effectively raised the cost of those products in Mexican markets. Now, the year before NAFTA went into effect, U.S.-Mexico merchandise trade more than quadrupled from $81 billion in '93 to $367 billion in 2008. Now, the bad news is that more than 70% of that value is moved by trucks. So by not opening the border through NAFTA, American drivers lose out on a potential gain of $286 billion of more freight to move, or a percentage of there. So the question here, playing devil's advocate here, is by not opening Mexico's border and fully implementing NAFTA in the way it was written, are we really preventing the full potential to create jobs and boost living standards and make both the U.S. and Mexico more competitive with manufacturers in Asia, Europe, and other places around the world? And and uh, so that's just something I kind of thought that I would throw out there. And uh, if we have time, see if anybody would do uh, what they would think about that. And, and um, I mean, to me, wouldn't it, it would stand to reason that uh, opening the Mexican border would affect American drivers' livelihood, adding, adding to probably a really a, a real truck driver shortage. Or... Would it actually help drivers by bringing in the extra billions of dollars of exports that we're missing out on right now? And um, like I said, I'm, I'm just kind of playing a devil's advocate here. But first, let me let me point out that this NAFTA thing that is being pushed by so many trucking companies and organizations really doesn't make much sense when you look at what it has done to Mexico. Uh, NAFTA was said that it was going to be a, a really big boost to Mexico's global competitiveness. But Mexico has fallen from being the 12th-ranking exporter in the world in 2000 to, to uh, 16th in 2008. And U.S. exports per capita fell from 51st to 68th. And uh, as an economic power, Mexico fell from 9th to 13th. And U.S. per capita GDP fell from uh, a 48th spot down to number 57. So how has NAFTA been good for the U.S. or Mexico? But uh, back to playing devil's advocate, it, it's estimated that the impact on U.S. employment of the failure of the U.S. to implement the trucking provisions of NAFTA 
coupled with Mexican retaliation, has cost 25,600 jobs in the U.S. And also, because Mexican tariff rates have snapped back up to uh, what they were before NAFTA, Mexican tariffs are now as high as 45% compared with zero tariffs before the U.S. ended the pilot program. And, for example, the U.S. potato exports to Mexico have dropped by 50% as a result. So what am I asking here? Are, are truckers only looking at this Mexican border opening from a trucker's perspective only and not taking into consideration the global impact that could continue if the border is not opened? And, and Donna, I know you talked with uh, uh, Dan Little of Owner Operators United, um, and, of course, you know, they're all against this NAFTA thing, and, you know, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but um, uh, most of the talk out there is, you know, no, this isn't a good thing, and... and uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reduce um, millions, you know. Well, I mean. I, I'm, I'm just playing devil's, devil's advocate. <laughs> How do we know that it will cost uh, thousands and thousands of drivers' jobs? It never has been open to that extent. Well, uh, just by the companies setting up down there and uh, just having the uh, Mexican drivers uh, move the freight at much cheaper rates. And um, uh, Dan Little wrote a, a great letter. I don't have it in front of me uh, right now, but he went into great detail on uh, all that could happen. I was hoping... He said he would uh, call in tonight, but he he had a couple of things going on, so I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, it was a great letter, and he explained in detail uh, all the repercussions uh, for drivers if they open up that border. And I wish I could read it to you. I, I don't have it uh, printed off right now. But you can go on uh, OOU's website. Um, and, and Owner operators. OwnerOperatorsUnited.org, I believe it is. Yeah, and read uh, everything about about the repercussions of opening the border. Well, you know, I was just kind of playing devil's advocate, but you know, here here are some of the problems with opening the border, and and I don't see them opening the border on a full scale range personally. I mean, the U.S. is just too safety minded and restricted. I mean, that's my opinion now. What what they're planning on doing, if they do anything, I don't know. I mean, I think right now Mexican trucks, um, what is it, only 100 can come in in a 100-mile range or a 25-mile some, some some strange little thing like that. And if they do continue to open it, uh, I don't think it's going to be a full-scale open. Uh, that's just my opinion. But the problem with opening the border is, uh, one, um, Mexico has no hours of service regulation, so uh, so this means that Mexican drivers uh, are used to working too many hours and uh, probably have become accustomed to operating their trucks in an unsafe manner anyway. And uh, two, there's no mandatory testing for alcohol and drug use for drivers in Mexico, and there, there's no certified labs in Mexico, so there really is no way to verify if a... Uh, driver from Mexico has even passed a drug screening, and we know how, how strict we are here on that. And, um, and you said it too just then, Donna, should the border be fully open to Mexican trucks, 
the low wages of Mexican drivers will drive U.S. trucking companies out of business, and that's according to one congressman who stood up and spoke, and that's exactly what he said. So what does this really point at? It's it's just the outsourcing of American jobs to Mexican drivers uh, at, at a lower wage. Now, I can only see that hurting companies, and and the biggest problem in opening the Mexican border was summed up by uh, James Hoffa, the general president of the Teamsters Union, by saying that Mexican trucks are not only a danger on our highways, but they're the number one way drug traffickers smuggle illegal narcotics to hundreds of American cities. And he went on to say that a lot of drugs come across the border on large trucks, and and we know that. So. And here's the thing with that, Alan. Mm-hmm. Mexico doesn't have a drug problem. The United States has a drug problem. Well, they're bringing all the drugs here. Right. So by, uh, you know, everybody who's taking uh, casual drugs, uh, you know, they're actually a, a part of all these problems because the United States really, really is, the people actually are, are participants in a lot of these problems. Um Mexico itself, though they 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 just don't have a drug problem over there, so uh, it's it's kind of like the ways of our country. Oh yeah, well I think we're playing a big part of it. Hopefully that's one thing that CSA 2010 will uh, uh, you know will kick in and uh, clear some of that out. And that's one thing where there really could end up being an American driver shortage if this thing goes through. But like I said, I don't see them opening the border on a full-scale range because of the uh, restrictions we have on safety. We're we're just too safety-minded. And I I personally don't think that they're going to open it full-fledged like a lot of people are thinking. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, they still haven't said what they're going to do. But... Uh, that's the biggest problem with opening the border, bringing in the, uh, the the lower wages that the drivers would have, squeezing out the higher-paying drivers here. And you look at all these things, and it just seems like there's a, an attack on the American driver to, to push out the more experienced, higher-paying drivers uh, with the CSA-10, the sleep apnea, and uh, all that good stuff. While you're waving at me, you got something? Well, I just decided I wanted to, um, if we have time, I'll try to read it real quickly. This was what uh, Dan Little wrote to Ray Hood. Okay, yeah, we got about, uh, oh, maybe about ten minutes. Okay. Over the past several months, the office here at OOU has been working day and night as we try to logically and rationally comprehend the cross-border trucking issue with Mexico. Generally, the trucking industries against the cross-border plan for reopen is stated in NAFTA, while hundreds of American manufacturing companies are in full support of reopening the border to Mexican trucks. So with that being said, let's take a closer look at how this will affect us all. Review the statement made by U.S. Senator Pat, Patty Murray, a Democrat in Washington. Senator Murray strongly urged Department of Transportation Secretary Ray LaHood to... Uh, solve the trade dispute with Mexico before the United States and Mexico will meet for an official state visit later in the month. Uh, goes on to say, hold on just a minute. Hundreds of good-paying jobs were lost. The actual number of jobs lost was estimated at 250. And as with the closing of any Congress plan, 
many of those employers were offered jobs at other Congress plants throughout the country. So she was saying that, um, you know, there would be lots of jobs lost, uh, presented the closing of the Congress potato processing plant in, uh, uh, in Washington as an example, stating that the shutdown had eliminated hundreds of good-paying jobs. So the side note, for Congress to close a plant or consolidate is nothing new. Back in the early 80s, Congress closed its plant here in, in Carleton, Missouri, and moved everything to a nearby plant in Marshall, Missouri. Reason giving for the closure? Carleton, Missouri would not give Congress a tax break. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to see anyone lose their job, but if we are going to plead to the federal government, let's present all the facts. This issue has been ongoing for quite some time now. In August of 2009 in Washington, the Alliance to Keep U.S. Jobs endorsed a letter sent to President Obama by a bipartisan group of former U.S. cabinet members and U.S. ambassadors to Mexico that urged him to resolve the cross-border trucking dispute. Alliance Executive Director Steve Mulcher said, every day this issue goes unresolved, more and more good-paying American jobs are put in jeopardy. To address Mr. Mulder's statement, in my opinion, it appears Mr. Mulder and the Alliance to Keep U.S. Jobs are overlooking one U.S. industry completely, the American trucking industry, which currently has over 9 million direct and indirect employees. U.S. companies, farmers, and workers will continue to be hit by Mexico's $2.4 billion of retaliatory tariffs on manufactured and agriculture goods. The, li the last thing the United States needs is our unemployment rate approaches 10%. Let's take a closer look at this statement. $2.4 in tariffs and 10% unemployment. The last time I looked, the trucking industry was a $385 billion a year industry in the U.S., and if you reduce the industry by the addition of the same amount of Mexican trucks, that will be entering the U.S., I believe the unemployment rate will jump to the 18% range figure, was based on lost ship shipping contracts with U.S.-based carriers due to an influx of cheaper Mexican carriers. And we have not even talked about the bankruptcy cases that will be filed. On a quick search of the Western District in Missouri, I found today over 10,000 active Chapter 13 bankruptcy filing cases alone. That does not count the Chapter 7 cases. The tariffs have imposed some hardships on companies in the U.S., but to open our borders to allow Mexican trucking carriers, free reign is not the answer. Okay, and he, he goes okay, on. Well, I, okay, well, like, uh, the thing is, um, when you figure in people who have stopped looking for work because they've given up and, you know, all these factors. Uh, unemployment rate here is already in the 17% range or so all the way across the board. But now, uh, Donna, isn't it the ATA is for opening the border, correct? Uh, I believe they are. And okay, so if the ATA is for opening the Mexican border and they represent trucking companies, um uh, but at the same time, we have a congressman standing up, standing up saying that should the border be fully opened, the low wages of Mexican drivers will drive U.S. trucking companies out of business. So I don't understand the thinking there. Uh, well, I think, well, that's because I think they want to, uh, and some of them already have, uh, set up in Mexico. Oh, many have. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you know, there, there's uh, there's an agenda there that <laughs> that's going on. Okay. So when all that, when that, uh, when that um, three hundred eighty-six billion dollars of exports starts flowing in again, they're already going to be set up down there. They're going to be grabbing it anyway, using. Um, Mexican drivers at a much lower wage. Well, that's that's what we're. I mean, thinking. obviously. Yeah. Okay. And again, what does that do? That's out. That's the outsourcing of American jobs to Mexican drivers. So, um, you know, so it 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 just all goes to what I've been saying for the past four or five years. Um, I mean this. This is something I, uh, that's going to happen. I, I don't see them opening a border in a full scale. I, I mean, that's just my opinion. But it, this has been something that's been going on, uh, really been being pushed uh, really since the early 90s to get this whole system set up. And it's, it's all about money. Um, you can't blame a business for wanting to make profit, but... Uh, I, I mean, can't not at the expense of of, right. of of your own people. Right. I mean, you can surely people can see that. I mean, this is what's going on. It's the outsourcing, all for the all for, all to make a dollar, and uh, I don't see how they're going to make it work with the uh, the unsafe trucks that's come across coming across that border. It depends on the scale that they open it up. Well, uh, supposedly they're going to have to go through the same. Uh, uh, guidelines as American trucks and uh, and hours of service and uh, so forth, but we'll we'll just have to investigate that further and uh, and wait and see. Okay. All right. Well, so really to sum it all up, Donna, um, so-called truck driver shortage really it just is a direct result, in my opinion from the practices of the trucking company, just like we've talked about. And uh, and pretty much everybody knows it. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I mean, I haven't had anybody contact me agreeing that there is a, uh, a driver shortage. One guy wrote that uh, there may not be a, a driver shortage, but there's a shortage of safe and professional drivers, and I might go along with that too, but there was hundreds of thousands of experienced drivers lost their jobs during this recession who are still unemployed and uh, they're they're yelling driver shortage and in the meantime adding more mandates uh to uh to actually limit it yeah exactly yeah. yeah the csa 2010 the sleep apnea uh yeah exactly so it's all crazy right yeah it's it's so contradictory um it's like trying to create a driver shortage and and you know, everybody's for safe, safer roads, safer trucks. We're all for that. But uh, we need to address the safety issues and not target more mandates and regulations uh, on the drivers, uh, especially the good drivers uh, that are driving right now, because especially if you're looking at a driver shortage. Uh, as far as CSA 2010, getting unsafe drivers off the road, you know, we're all for it. But uh, uh, putting putting mandates and rules and regulations on good, safe drivers, um, I don't get it. Well, and and until the until the trucking companies themselves change uh, their practices, 
two of which we uh, uh, specified, the recruitment screening and the poor company training programs. Um, I mean, this, this it'll continue. These people will come into the trucking industry uh, not with a uh, painted picture of not what life is really like on the road. They'll get into a poor company training program. The the uh, recruiter at the trucking company won't do their job right and just just try to get another body in the truck, knowing that uh, you know they can move them out and move somebody in. Um, the uh, the trainer issue, the driver trainer issue, is one we spoke on many times uh, that causes big problems and causes them to leave. So every, you know everywhere I look, the problems of a so-called driver shortage is. Uh, the direct result being caused by the companies themselves. So I guess that's really the bottom line. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, I just wanted to mention um, for those of you, and I don't know if Jim is listening tonight, but Jim Walden has uh, drivermatch.com, and, and he has a, um, a great site where you can join for free. Uh, and they have upgrades, of course. But you can drive for free where it, it's like uh, matching up drivers, trainers, co-drivers, and things like that uh, for a higher success rate of uh, accomplishment. So drivermanage.com, and uh, Jim, if you're listening, uh, it's a great site. Yeah, really. I mean, the trucking company should could should hook up with uh, driversmatch.com and, and get their program uh, just done a little bit more professionally, though, huh? Instead of just asking, are you a smoker or a non-smoker? <laughs> There's a lot more to it. This is this reminds me almost of like Match.com, only for for drivers to make sure they're they're going to work and uh, you know have 24/7 in the truck. They're not going to end up killing each other or abuse or anything like that. So it's a pretty extensive questionnaire. Okay, well we're about out of time here. Uh, well, thanks uh, thanks for all the research and everything, Donna. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was a busy week. I didn't even hardly see you this week. I know. Well, you've been gone most of the time, and your hours are crazy, and, um, you know, it's it's hard squeezing it all in. All right. Well, um, thanks for tuning in and spending some of your time with us this evening, a, a little thought-provoking conversation about NAFTA and its effect on the American truck driver. just like to... Uh, throw things out there to get people's reaction and thoughts on these issues. So thanks for uh, listening, everyone, and keep up on our upcoming shows by bookmarking blogtalkradio.com slash truthabouttrucking, and be sure to add us to your favorites. And newcomers to the industry and CDL students, uh, sign up for our free newsletter at truthabouttrucking.com. And if you're an iPhone user, uh, download our trucking app, Trucker at truckerapp.com, and, of course, uh, come be a part of our trucking blog at askthetrucker.com. So uh, that'll do it for this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live, and let me reiterate that there is no, nor has there ever been, a truck driver shortage in the United States. The real problem is retaining drivers, which is a direct fault of the trucking companies by the way they treat their drivers they already have, and... Um, initiatives that are being put in place right now, like we've talked about earlier, the, the CSA 2010 and the sleep apnea. So 
Um, I'll just leave you with all that, and you can think about it and make up your own mind, but that's my take on it. So appreciate you joining us. Here's um, here's Jan McCarter performing Pretty Girls Drive Big Rigs too, and you can download this song and others from Jan and Jim's website, thekeystruckers.com. It's a really, uh, really a great trucking blog, so check it out. And uh, until uh, next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith, and uh, Donna hanging with me here, too. So on behalf of myself and Donna, drive safe, and thanks for <laughs>
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.